Hi, and welcome back to the podcast where we are discussing our favorite wrestling moves. It's your turn, Blake. It is. What is it? What's uh, the move? Go on, tell us. <laughs> thanks. Um, the next one is one that I don't really have a lot to say about because it's it's uh, well known. It's the kill switch by Christian. It's Good another move. Good I mean, wrestler. Yeah. It's, it's another one of those moves that, like, it was very Christian. Not in the religious sense, it was like just his move. <laughs> it was God's favourite move. Um, how would you describe it? So basically, you, oh, you're basically, you sort of like, t- entangle your arms in their arms, you turn them around so they're like, their uh, neck is like resting on your back and then you, you drop down so they land face first on the mat. Yes. So like they're, the back of their head is on the back of your head back yeah that's what I said yeah. the back of their heads on the back of your head um and you kind of just like fall on them kind of like you fall but they they hit the mat yeah um yeah very very cool looking move i hear it gets a lot of flack because it's like oh you could easily get out of that but like you could easily get out of 99 percent of wrestling finishers like the six one nine, you could easily just be like, no, and then move away. The I mean, the six one nine is one of the most countered moves. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing: just because a move is easily countered doesn't make it bad. It makes it even more useful to use in a wrestling match. Yeah. And it's usually one of those things where, like, realistically, you're not doing it for the hyper believability of like college wrestling. Because that's actually real. It's showmanship for a lot of it. And yeah. a lot of the moves look beautiful. Including the kill switch, in my opinion. Like, it's also it's one always of those very things, fluid. Yeah. It's also one of those moves that if you try and do it to your friend, you'll probably break their nose, so don't do it. We should probably preface <laughs> this by saying, like, don't do wrestling moves on your friends. Because Don't try this at home. Like, there are plenty of stories of people being like, I want to do the... I want to do the choke slam to my brother, and you've accidentally put him through a glass table now. Or I want to do the six one nine, but I don't have wrestling ropes, so we'll use this barbed wire fence. And you're like, no, stop it. <laughs> I um, I had not broken nose, but I had a very sore nose after my cousin at school put me in the crossface. Oh for like, no! But like, luckily he didn't like pull. He didn't pull back, so the pressure was on my neck. It was just. His hands were on my nose. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, not pleasant. I mean, there's there's too many stories of people being like hurt and killed, copying wrestling moves. So, uh, like again, we're not telling you to try these. Just watch the professionals do them. Makes it yeah. better. Unless it's like really silly wrestling moves, like Orange Cassidy's brutal kicks. Do that all you want. No, do not do that. You'll you'll actually kill someone. <laughs> you'll kill an entire family. <laughs> no, I um. So the thing with like the kill switch that I think, I think the reason that I included it was just because like I really like Christian, and it was such yeah. a, it was such a silly move on the surface. Like again, it is very easily countered and whatever. But the nice thing about it is it was such a good like I don't know what the like you watch a lot of podcasts and stuff so you know it, but I call them like flattening moves. It's basically just like a move that puts someone down. Like, it, yeah. like when somebody gets hit by the kill switch, they generally tend... They don't even roll over. They just lie on their face. 
and they're yeah it's an impact move yeah and like i don't really have a lot to say about it like if you watch videos of it you'll see why if you get past the oh i could easily get out of that move by wiggling my arms a bit and i'm like yeah but then nobody would find you fun yeah. like just take the, t- take the kill switch it's fine what's your next toe toe <laughs> My next toe is uh, this little one on my on my right. Before we move on, like Christian uh, is a very good wrestler who it's almost unfair because his tag team partner was Edge. Yeah, like people kind of forget that Christian was fantastic, but most of them remember them as Edge and Christian. Like people don't remember Christian by himself. Because didn't Christian go to TNA? Yeah, so Christian, Christian left Cage. in two thousand five. And then went to TNA for a couple of years, then came back to WWE, had a really good run in like the dying days of ECW, like WWE's ECW. Mm-hmm. And then had a couple of decent runs on the main roster. Like he won the world title after Edge retired. He had a good feud against Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. And then injuries just happened. And he like th- this is how much like WWE like so Edge obviously got an entire week of uh, celebration when he retired, the, um, when he initially retired. And it, obviously because he was the world champion at the time, and it was uh, very sad that he had to retire early and all that. But like Christian, Christian never got an on-screen retirement. It was just, he was in a match, then he never wrestled again, then he showed up a year later, and they were like, and there's... Then there's Christian, former wrestler, and everyone's like, and it just kind of, sh- and it's kind of, it just kind of shows the difference in how WWE sees Edge and Christian, and it's yeah. not really fair on Christian, who was fantastic. Yeah, it's just the big issue was that his partner is probably one of the top five wrestlers of, in WWE yep. of, of the two thousands. It's while but yeah, Christian was fantastic. While we're talking about wrestling moves, is the spear on your list? Let's move on. It is, isn't it? Because I was going to say, like, there's a Maybe. lot of, uh, not controversial, was it? Like, a lot of differing opinions on which spear is the most superior. So I was going to say, if it is on your list, it'll be good to have that conversation. Yeah, well, maybe we will. Maybe so, we won't. What's next on your list, then? Who knows? Uh, Kill Switch goes on mine just because I love that move. And I really, genuinely loved Christian, especially when he went to TNA. Like, I feel like it was nice for him to be in an environment where Edge wasn't a factor. Like, he was just Christian, and he was brilliant in TNA. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was probably the best thing about TNA. And then uh, Kurt Angle came in, and then it, it all be- kind of became about Kurt Angle. Yeah. Like, to be fair, he was Kurt Angle, the best wrestler at the time. Yep. And I think he didn't really get lost in the shuffle, but I do think once Kurt Angle came in, Christian was kind of taken from like the top to like, all right, you're you're here now. Yeah, it's like you're Enjoy here. You're that well-known wrestler, but you're not Kurt Angle. So, uh, my next move is the spear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not really one? the spear. I have put down the gore. That's what I was gonna say. Like, a lot of people, I've said it before. Edge's spear is incredible. The gore is something like else. It. Well, the thing I like about the spear is that like Edge just sold it as like a sadistic move designed to hurt people. Yeah, but like people don't like the way he did it because um, he, uh, their the argument was he didn't put a lot of impact into it, so it kind of just looked like he was running in to hug someone. I mean, I've seen a couple where it genuinely looked cool. It depends on the opponent. 
uh, for me. Like if it's uh, if it's up against like Rey Mysterio, it would probably mm-hmm. it would probably look good. When he did it to like the Big Show, I don't Edge Edge isn't like a super built guy, and I don't think it like Edge's spear is. I I like. I mean, Edge is one of my favorites. Edge's spear is fine, but if but like for me, it's like, do I like the Gore or do I like Goldberg's spear? Those are the two I hold as like the the golden gooses of spears. Yeah, I've just gone with the Gore just because. Like Goldberg, I mean, he's Goldberg. Ever like, he's a legend. Everyone kind of knows him. But like Rhino, I think I want to pick the Gore because Rhino is again. I'm gonna keep saying it. He's an underrated wrestler. Rhino is very Taz-like for me. Like huge potential, very good wrestler. Just kind of gets forgotten about a lot. So Rhino is another one who's fairly short, but because he's like wide like he's not he's not fat or anything he's no, very he's just very like not not built what's the word it's it's a hard word to describe but he is he's strong yeah he's got a lot of meat on his bones but it's not like it's like he's like bodybuilder strong where it, it doesn't look like there's a lot of muscle but there is it's not like oh no sorry not bodybuilder it's like uh weightlifter strong bodybuilder strong yeah. is where you try and get like the sculpt but weightlifting is where you get like the mass yeah. Plus, you don't and want that like, mess charging at you and then taking out your <laughs> midsection. And the thing is about Rhino, he's a very good wrestler and he was very quick. So when he hit the gore, it was... Lightning. It always looked like someone took a hit by a car. Like, one minute, they're upright. Next minute, they're dead. Yep. And usually there'd be, like, freeze frames where that whole person is in the air, like, mm. folded in half over his shoulder. Which, again, yeah. obviously a lot of that was him, like... Like uh, lessening some of the impact on the person by making it look like there was a heavy impact, but actually slowing himself down. Because if he genuinely tackled somebody like that, he could cause severe internal damage. Yeah. But the way that he and the opponent sold the impact, and sometimes didn't even need to, because the crash to the mat was brutal. Do you know what I thought was just like, I know obviously they'd have to do it, but it was a nice touch, was calling it the gore when his name's Rhino. I mean, because yeah, I think that was um, in ECW. It was always known as the Gore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it makes sense. He's literally goring someone. Yeah, like if you think about a rhino charging at someone, it's like power, yeah, damage, and you like nothing gets in front of a rhino that's rampaging. Mm-hmm. And I, like that's another one of those moves. I don't think I ever saw it countered. I saw it dodged once or twice, but. If yeah. it connected, I never saw anybody get out of it or stop it. No, and that's like the thing, like, Rhino had potential to be a big player in WWE. I think he just had one very long injury and he mm-hmm. never uh, fully got back. Because, like, when he was injured, he was, like, pretty prominent on TV. Uh, he had, like, a... I don't know, I can't remember if this before or after his injury, but he had, like, a promising tag team with uh, Benoit. He... He went like toe and toe to toe with like The Rock at one point. I just distinctly remember him goring The Rock at some point. Mm-hmm. And The Rock being The Rock oversells it amazingly. Yeah. Do you remember, just while we're talking about like people getting it, do you remember when Heath Slater was in the ring and Rhino came yes. from under the ring and split him in half? But that's the thing. Um, they went on to be a very good tag team. Mm-hmm. 
So when they brought back the brand split and they uh, had the SmackDown tag team titles, Heath Slater, the storyline was Heath Slater didn't get drafted. They forgot about Heath Slater. Um, oh. Like in storyline, because they did like a little thing for like WWE.com and he's like in the draft room alone. Like, so what's happening with me then? And then so week by week, he would go to each show and be like, hey, could you sign me? And then be like, well, and then like, on Raw, Mick Foley would be like, well, how about, we'll give you a contract if you can beat Jinder Mahal. And then Jinder Mahal would beat him and win a contract. And it wasn't until, I think it was Daniel Bryan was like, you know what, I'll give you a chance. If you can find a tag team partner. He, yeah, he lost to Rhino the week before. So Rhino got a contract. And then we're like, okay, you can find a partner for like the tag team uh, tournament. If you win that, you get a contract. And he had this uh, gimmick where like, he... I, I, I'm going slightly off topic here, but I really like this storyline. Like, Heath Slater was like, I, I need this job. I've got kids. And in real life, he has no kids. But in this storyline, he's like, has six kids with his like redneck wife. And he needs the job so he can buy a double wide trailer because he's got too many kids. <laughs> Give him the job. And, yeah. And then uh, Rhino became his partner and they won the tag team titles and they were a very good tag team. And then they lost the tag team titles and for two years they just sort of were there. Shame. Uh, Heath Slater was, is very good. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing what he does once this thing's all over outside of WWE because he is one of those people who has a lot of potential but because he's been pigeonholed as a comedy wrestler in WWE it's he's never really had a chance to really shine. Anyway, Rhino, Gore, very good move. Yep, just watch the, the video where he gores the rock and the cell from the rock is incredible yeah and it's, again none of those moves when like we were all kids and like you'd always try and gore your friend oh <laughs> uh, prob- i probably did well that's the um, difference i did like as a kid and even now i don't have the body mass to to make a gore happen <laughs> for me it'd be like um did you ever see who was it tra- like i'm sure i don't think it was edge someone tried to spear someone along the lines like rikishi or something and they just ran into him and stopped. That's me at any point doing the core to literally anyone. Like a small child could block my gore. That's how slow I am. Um, when I did training for a little bit, I thought about trying to do specifically a gore like spear as my finisher. Um, but never got to that point. Uh Oh, it's just such a good move. It really is. Rhino was so good. And it was like um, the 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 pump up before it where he'd like be crouched down, holding on the rope, banging, like stamping his foot on the floor. And the person would usually have their back to him. And in your head, if you were rooting for the person against him, you're like, don't turn around. Don't turn around. Don't look at him. <laughs> just don't. He can't gore you from behind. It doesn't work like that. And the second they start rotating, you're like, cool, you're dead. Can't believe it. <laughs> Very good move. Very but, huge impact move as well. I get it, because he's in impact now. Yeah. Thanks for the assists, Stu. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Spears of all types. Like I say, Goldberg. I almost put Goldberg Spear, because Goldberg was my favourite wrestler, but nah, the Gore is the greatest Spear of all time. Yeah. I've said it. Uh, what's your next move? For me, my next move is... Uh, it's just It's the last ride by The Undertaker. Holy shit, so the last ride is on my list? Yep. Uh, so <laughs> cool. this works out well. Um, so for me, the reason the last ride is on there, it's it's like a, not a career-ending move, but like 
I mean, it kind of is. Like, if it goes wrong once, it it could paralyze. Not exactly a positive, but it's like, it's such a... Like, you can see why it has the impact it has in matches. Like, when somebody mm. gets hit by the last ride, nine times out of ten, the arms are folded across the chest and they get the three count. Well, no, sorry, like, that's the pile driver, but like, you get where I'm coming from. Like, nine yeah. times out of ten, when the last ride hits, the person's dead. It's over. Uh, and if not... Well, I was going to say, if not, it usually gets followed by a tombstone, and then yeah. they're dead. Like, these days, he only really brings out the last ride on special occasions, because um, it's very synonymous with a certain period of Undertaker's career, and that's when he was the American badass. Yep. The biker-taker. I missed that. I missed those days. He brought it back for this WrestleMania. The 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 thing about the last ride as well, yeah, it's just an exaggerated powerbomb, right? But think how high up these people are, because he doesn't just powerbomb stance them. He lifts them up above his head. Usually yeah. in like a sort of wedgie maneuver, which can't be good for you. <laughs> but how And Undertaker's like legit almost seven foot tall. Yeah, uh, I just googled his height. He is like just two point oh eight meters off the ground. You're getting thrown onto your back. That's like he's six foot ten. Imagine falling off of a six foot ten height onto your back. Like that's I thought you were um the the old like don't try this at home video always had the clip of uh, JR saying, how'd you learn to fall off a 20-foot ladder? <laughs> I thought you were, like, you know, going for that sort of phrase there. No. I would, like, get just, like, the height of the man. I like, he is very physically imposing as well. Very strong. Oh, yeah. But the last ride was just one of those things where, like, he could hold you up above his head for that added few seconds of, like, commentators being like, it's the last ride! The last ride! You're like, yes, we know, but he's not done it yet. Wait! Here it comes. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the greatest wrestling uh, game of all time, Just Bring It. The commentary was like so... It was clearly like stitched together. Mm -hmm. And then um, they had this one clip for the last ride where like Michael Cole would be like, The Undertaker has a great... The last ride! The last ride! <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah. Just like real commentating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I want a powerbomb on this list because powerbombs are some of my favorite moves. Um, you are right. You do a powerbomb wrong and it can really screw up someone's life. Mm -hmm. Like, because um, you got to make sure they land like flat on the back. If they go over too much and land on the neck or even on top of yeah. the head, that's like paralysis territory at that point. If not so death. unfortunately, so it was at 99 Deal O'Brien was up against a wrestler called Draws, mm -hmm. and he he takes uh he did like a set out power bomb I think, but he he picked Draws up and then he lost his footing or he slipped or something. But the way he dropped Draws um paralyzed him from the neck down. Oh no! There's an accident. Accidents happen. Uh, to this day, I don't think Draws has ever had like Deal O'Brien's always felt guilty about it, but Draws has never. Being like, oh, you ruined my life or anything. It's, it was an accident. There's nothing Dilo could do about it. Dilo's yeah. a fantastic wrestler. But yeah, like, you do one move, like, one accident, and with, especially with the powerbomb. So that's why, like, with that in mind, the powerbomb is a very, like, good-looking move. Because, again, it's just a tall guy dropping someone at a high velocity. Mm -hmm. Um... Again, going back to like Kevin Owens has a good powerbomb where he the pop up powerbomb, so he like whips someone into the ropes and it uses the momentum to like lift them up and then 
uh, drives them down with the power bomb. But I don't know. There's just something about the last ride that is just very appealing, like visually. Because I think it is the whole, like, again, the theatrics of, you know, he picks them up for the powerbomb and then he lifts them up over the head. Yep. It's like a second powerbomb inside a powerbomb. Yeah. Like, The Undertaker is a very safe wrestler. He was like, I'm going to guess that taking the last ride is, is a bit like, you know, falling onto a nice bed when The Undertaker does it. Because he, he's The Undertaker. He knows what he's doing in that ring. Yep. Absolutely. Um, if, like, the, the name as well, just The Last Ride is probably the best name for a finisher. Yeah, it's like two words put together. It's like calling something like the kill explosion. It's like it's yeah. just two words that you're like, neither of these things are good words to be used against you. Yeah. Power. But if... Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> but if it fit his character, because obviously he was the biker. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it, oh, just everything about the last ride is just so cool. And again, it's one of those moves where, like, if I was creating a wrestler in SmackDown 2, they would have the last ride. Yeah. Do you know because what, like, it's just the coolest move. I doubt it was, like, intentional, but it's super cool how, obviously, the last ride, like, last ride works with being a biker because, you know, you'll never ride again after you're shattered and broken. But even when he went back to like the more gothic Undertaker, it sounds so similar to Last Rites. Yeah. And it's like, it's there's so many layers to the name of the move. Like we were saying with Rhino and the gore. Uh, like the rock with the people's elbow and rock bottom. Like, like, there has to be a lot that goes into naming a move before they finalize what it's called. Because like, you get some that like obviously AJ Styles called his the Styles Clash and it works well because a lot of times it was used against somebody who was a very different style of wrestler to him. Like, mm-hmm. it was very well used on Samoa Joe, I remember, in TNA. Samoa Joe's way more well known for just being, like, strength and, like, brutality over AJ Styles' more high-flying stuff. Naming stuff like that must be difficult, but for a wrestling move's name to survive an entire rebranding is even more impressive to me. Mm. And it kind of works because it was it's two power bombs. So the first one, when he lifts you up to his neck, that's the last ride. And then when he lifts you up a little bit higher, that's his rebrand to the last ride, but slightly bigger. Yeah, I think The Undertaker's one of those characters that just, there's so much work he does that he puts into that character. Like everything is on brand. Like mm-hmm. everything he does is just, just mwah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. even even the weird match he had at WrestleMania was all cinematic. He was playing kind of more of the biker character, so he was, like, talking more and sort of insulting AJ Styles a bit more. You know, doing the whole, like, oh, you had enough, boy? You want some more, boy? Mm-hmm. Um, just everything he does fits his character so well. Whether it's the, the wrestling zombie or the biker guy, you can see why his career lasted as long as it did. Yeah. And to be honest, the the current trend of kind of being able to do these like cinematic matches might actually help The Undertaker's career last even longer now. Yeah. Because now he doesn't need to wrestle an, a proper match. No, He, he can, can be just, good again. He can just like act his way through. Like, do you remember... Hmm. 
we'll probably get into this in a different podcast as well, but do you remember when they brought The Undertaker the back? The 21st night of September. Yes. Uh, when they had, like, the guys with, like, the torches to form, like, Druids. an art. Yeah, for him to walk through. Like, just stuff like that. Like, you don't really get it anymore. Oh, the most amazing entrance. I can't remember which WrestleMania it was. I want to say it might have been. Oh, I can't remember which one, but he, when he, like, appeared on this, like, the stage... Yeah, there was a bunch of like hands that seemed to be like coming out of like hell mm-hmm. trying to like grab at him and it just like but it was all in, like sh- silhouettes and it just looked cool oh, like, I miss wrestling The Undertaker was always a great show not like big yeah. show but as in like just anything he did was always fun to watch he was mm-hmm. very good at selling his character and I think for me most importantly for The Undertaker is that he got the respect he deserved for the amount that he'd done like do you remember do you remember when the streak was broken and it cut to the audience and everyone looked genuinely broken oh i have a story about that but i'm gonna save it for a different podcast because i missed i was watching that wrestlemania and i missed the streak happening because of my friend but we'll get into that in a different podcast who was your friend of the undertaker and he was like stuart please don't watch the the wrestlemanias (laughs) yes i knew it but yeah like undertaker absolutely incredible wrestler and the last ride is possibly one of my possibly the best power bomb of all time yeah oh i I, i'll agree with that we can both scratch that one off our list now plus like he's called the undertaker like uh since we both had that on our list uh what's your next one my next one the muscle buster by samoa joe oh okay yeah yes uh didn't think about that one actually like the thing about the muscle buster one it's another one of those names where you get everything you expect from it um mm-hmm. so usually like he would take somebody up sit them on the top turnbuckle he'd like f- fold them over i guess so that the the back of their neck was on his shoulder mm-hmm. and he would grab them under their legs and hold them up above his head so they were kind of folded um yeah and then he would just like what like a backdrop, I guess, would be the the term for what he did to them afterwards. He'd like walk yeah. them out into the middle of the ring, and then just jump and backflop straight down. And nine times out of ten, the pin he would do afterwards would just be him sort of like press up style above them, not even like lying on them, just lying over them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hit some some really impressive muscle busters on some really pretty large people. I think the the thing about it for me is it's just such a it's not a movie you'd expect from someone like Samojo, much like his um I forget what it's called. What's the name of the kick? Is it the oh. Insiguri? In Something like oh, that. Yeah, Insiguri. Like you don't expect that kind of athleticism from like the larger wrestlers, but Samojo was fast, athletic, he was very, very good at high flying stuff. Yeah. Um, One thing to note about Samojo is that he's a very well-built guy, but he is Samoan. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of naturally de- like deposed to being quite big. Since when was he Samoan? I was never told this. Well, technically, he was born in Chicago, but like he has Samoan heritage. He's not part of the extended Samoan family, though. He is not. Um, but yeah, like with the muscle bus as well. I know it. Like, there's some debate on whether or not he injured Tyson Kidd with it. It's not a debate. Uh, it, he did. It did because well, no. Samoa Joe said that it's not his fault, but 
No, it was an accident. Yeah. Tyson Kidd doesn't blame. Like, again, accidents has happened. The biggest problem was that it was Samoa Joe's, like, first match on the main roster. And it was a dark match at that, like. And, yeah, just an accident happened and Tyson Kidd's career ended, unfortunately. Did you hear what the name of the injury Tyson Kidd got was called? No. It was technically a spinal cord concussion. Oof. And he says that what happened was, like, the ligament holding one of the um, parts of his spine ruptured, so the disc hit his spinal cord. Like, that is such a... I've never Ouch. heard of an injury like that before in my life. No. But when you watch Samojo do the muscle buster, you can kind of see how it could happen if... Yeah. Like, freak accidents happen all the time, like thingy falling through the roof and dying on the stage. Like... You don't plan for something like that. Sometimes really bad things just happen because, like in any sporting event, one minor slip and someone gets injured. Like, look at look at Vader in his eye, Mick Foley in his ear, Mick Foley in his whole body, <laughs> Mick Foley and his spirit. Like, people get injured a lot doing wrestling. In fact, it's quite amazing that there's been so few serious injuries but I think the thing, especially for stuff like Tyson Kidd's neck and whatnot, or his spine, sorry, the thing I like the most is that a lot of wrestlers never blame each other for it. Like you were saying with a thingy and draws, like he never, he never blamed him. And I think like it, it must take a lot to be like it's not your fault. The thing is, one of the main things you get taught when you learn to wrestle is protect your opponents. Mm-hmm. Like always. And if you don't, if you're, if you get a reputation for like deliberately like not protecting your opponents, guess what? You're gonna get fired. You're not gonna get booked. No. Like so, every wrestler is like it gets it drummed into their heads. Like, you know, if you're doing a big move, do everything you can to protect them. But like, yeah, accidents happen. You can't. There's just sometimes like you can't like control what happens. Uh, I think in Tyson's case he might i think he landed awkwardly there's a case where like um we're getting into like a different territory but like um hardcore holly brock lesnar broke his neck but it was like hardcore holly's fault Mm -hmm. because he didn't like give he didn't make himself light enough he sandbagged uh brock lesnar brock lesnar's strong enough to be like yeah whatever bob (laughs) so yeah and then uh, Bob landed awkwardly because he was being a... I don't know if he did it deliberately, but yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, accidents happen, and it's... That's the thing with, like, the muscle buster as well. It's like, it's a move that if it goes wrong, it's not the move's fault. Like, I mm. don't think Samojo's the kind of person who would ever intentionally try and injure someone like that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, everyone knows, like, Joe as a person is just a... He's, he's a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, like, as well, I think that's why I included the move is because it's such a scary, intimidating move just watching him, like, fold a human being onto his shoulder and then slam them. Yeah. Um. Fun fact about Samoa Joe. Like, obviously, I I saw him most through TNA and whatnot. Uh, me and my little brother used to have, mat- well, our own little bets on... Not if we, like not if Samoa Joe would win his match or not, but how quickly he would win it. And <laughs> we would also have a bet on whether or not he would need more than one muscle buster to win it. 
And mm. a lot of times he wouldn't need more than one. Like, he'd hit them with a few big kicks, uh, a lot of slams and whatnot. But, like, that one muscle buster, usually, like, we loved watching him fighting AJ Styles for some reason. They like, were so good together. Yeah. Like, my little brother was a huge AJ fan, and I was a much bigger Samojo fan. Mm. But, um, and Chris Daniels, yeah. But. Their, like, three way matches considered, like, legendary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like, it's just one of those moves that when you watch it, it's the first time you see him do that move, you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and then when it lands, you're like, I witnessed an actual murder. Yeah, Joe is very good. It's a shame his WWE career is kind of stalled because he keeps getting injured. Yep. But what we've learned in the past six months uh, is that he's actually a very good commentator. Yeah. He has the same thing that I feel like Taz has where he's faced enough people that when he commentates, and Booker T as well, they have very that kind of... He's got yeah. authority. Like, yeah. when Booker T... Like, I remember... Um, Booker T was there and someone got hit by a gore and he's like I've been hit by one of those and let me tell you if you get up from that you're a stronger man than me and I'm like <laughs> what do you mean if you stand up from that you don't <laughs> usually you get yeah. picked up from that Booker T was a good commentator it's just he it was really weird because he's very animated when he talks mm-hmm. and then everyone else is like told to like you know don't be calm but Booker T just cannot no. He's just a very animated talker. He's great. I love him. But no, Samojo's a very good commentator. He's back on commentary now because he's injured again. That's all I had to say on it. I, I love that move. That's yeah, a good move. What is your no, penultimate good move. move? Actually, how many moves have you got left? I've got two. Three. Yeah, it makes sense. Remember you started. Have... Yeah. And yeah. we did have two of the same moves on our list, which worked out. Yeah. Alright, hit me with so it, next... daddy You want me to hit you with a a, a clothesline from hell? <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, what I've written down here is clothesline from hell slash lariat. Um, so basically, uh, for if you've never seen wrestling, a clothesline is a very basic move, but in the right uh, arms, it could be one of the most brutal looking moves in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, the two most famous examples are Bradshaw's clothesline from hell or Stan Hansen's lariat. They're, quite, they're kind of different um, the way they did it. So with Stan Hansen, it would just be a case of you'd whip him into the ropes and then he would just basically stand still and just move his arm like into the... It's supposed to be like around their neck, but um, it's usually their chest they hit. Yeah. But you do it quick enough, it looks like it's hitting you in the neck. And the idea is that you're winding the opponent, but while also simultaneously knocking their momentum so like they're using their momentum to knock them on the ground as well yeah and if you imagine it hits the throat like not only does it wind them it just also causes breathing trouble yeah stan hansen's larry like because stan hansen's part of that generation where they would just hit each other for real Mm -hmm. like stan hansen was very big in japan where like the style wrestling is a lot more brutal and it's because, like, Stan Hansen was legitimately really tough. So especially with the right opponent, because a lot of, like, the people who came up together were all really tough and they were like, yeah, just hit me with what you got. And Stan Hansen would be like, okay. And he would just knock him out with his forearm. Yep. Very, very uh, good Larry. Uh, Stan Hansen's a legend. 
But probably the most famous example for people of, like, my generation would be The Clothesline from Hell from Bradshaw, who's also a legit tough guy. Bit of an asshole, but, um... A bit. Did you know... So, did you ever hear about the Brawl for All? No. So, in 1999, uh, Vince Russo, who was the lead writer of WWE at the time, had this brilliant idea to hold a legitimate fighting tournament. Or maybe 98, actually. And there was a... So, Vice have a series called The Dark Side of the Ring, where they just talk about, like, sort of the... The dark side of wrestling, essentially. They did a whole episode in the Brawl for All. And apparently, the only reason Vince Russo wanted to do the Brawl for All was because he was Bradshaw was pissing him off. Because Bradshaw was like, oh yeah, I can, I'm tougher than anyone in this locker room. So Vince Russo was like, okay, let's prove it. So he built this like legitimate fighting tournament <clears throat> called the Brawl for All. And it was a disaster. Oh dear. Because, um, so the first round, they had a few, like, legitimate fighters, like Dan Se- Dan, Sav- yeah. Dan Severn, who's a former UFC fighter, uh, was in it. I think Steve Blackman, who also did MMA, was in it. Ken Shamrock refused to be in it, because he's smart. Yeah. Uh, the Godfather, who has a legitimate, like, fighting uh, pedigree, was in it. And oh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams who also did, like, amateur wrestling and MMA. And the idea was they brought in Dr. Death Steve Williams and they were hoping to build him up for a big program with Steve Austin. Because he was kind of a big deal. And then, not only did Steve, uh, Dr. Death, lose in the second round, he tore his hamstring in the middle of his fight. Oh, dear. And they estimate that they probably lost about a quarter of a million investment because of that injury. Yeah. And then, yeah, the final was Bart Gunn versus Bradshaw, and Bart Gunn destroyed Bradshaw. So, yeah, the Brawl for All. It was a disaster, but moving on to the clothesline from hell. Yeah, it just looks it just looks brutal. Like, you could pick most clotheslines as well for how brutal they look. Um, yeah, like, so, like, the bigger the, the wrestler that hits it, the more intimidating mm. it looks. So, like, the normal clothesline is just a basic move like a punch or a kick but like again in the right arms it's a brutal move yep or give it to kane and he does it off the top rope and it looks cool yep i was also thinking as well like depending on who takes the the clothesline some people sell it as well like some people get like a full backflip out of being hit by it and they like if you're going to look at one uh closer from hell look at the one heath slater took in 2012 Alright, let me have a quick look. He stays... I'll, I'll let you watch it, but then I'll uh, describe it to the listeners once you've seen it. Alright, so he's Slater 2012. Who who gave it to him? Bradshaw. JBL? Yep, there he is. Like, if it's clothesline from hell, it's that's specifically Bradshaw's. Wow, he, he Slater, like, straight up just went to his head. <laughs> but you can... If you watch it again, look at Bradshaw's reaction when he looks back and sees that Heath Slater is still on his head like three that's seconds later. He just turns around to see Heath Slater still on his head. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got such a proud look on his face like, hell yeah, I did. Uh, like Bradshaw, I like, I like him as a wrestler, but oh God, he's not a nice person from what I've heard. But yeah, the clothesline from hell. Just again, it's just, 
in this one, I think he whips, usually he whips the opponent, and then he also runs into the opponent. Mm-hmm. So it's like double the momentum. Especially when like he became JBL, he became like a world champion. It was a really good finisher that it, it didn't look out of place for Bradshaw to beat like The Undertaker with it. Or be Eddie Guerrero with it. Mm-hmm. He's it just it looked brutal, and all the again all these wrestlers sold it brutally, and it made this move legendary. Yeah. Other than that, there's not really much else to say. Like I, a big fan of this move. Again, it's another move I considered uh, as a finisher um, when I was training, just because yeah. it's a super simple move you can do it out of nowhere. Um. And if you do it right, it just looks and again like beautifully brutal. Not in an insulting way, but you're you'd be considered more of like a larger wrestler as well. So when you consider yeah. like a, a clothesline from a larger person, even if like muscle, like fat, the kind of weird in between you get, it doesn't matter. If you someday with your arm and you're like at a weight advantage, it looks brutal, and like mm. you could see it being a finisher in the sense that like you don't get up from it. Yeah. And I feel like there's there's certain moves like the choke slam, like the clothesline, powerbomb, that the bigger the person who's doing it is, the more like mystical force that the WWE give it to just be a move that you don't get up from. Like yeah. realistically, it doesn't matter if you get like powerbombed by, you know, like somebody at Batista's height who's half his weight or him. Like realistically, you're taking the same impact. It's just the size of the person doing it to you. You're like, it's more damaging. And then the commentators can sell it like, oh, from like eight foot, like there's more momentum as he hits the yeah. the, the ground than if it was from six foot. Like we were saying yeah. with the last ride, like that little lift up extra into the air, they're like, by God, he dropped him 15 foot through the ring. And you're like, <laughs> really? He only dropped him like six foot 10 through the ring. But yeah, like, like it... That's what people, like, I think a lot of people forget is literally everything that you see and hear in the WWE is crafted to sell it. Like, mm-hmm. the person doing the move, the person taking it, the referee has to know how to act, the commentators, like, it all comes together to really sell what they're doing. Yeah. But with the clothesline, it's, like you said, it's such a synonymous wrestling move that when you get one, like the clothesline from Hell or the Lariat, that just it adds a new dimension to it, like the the Heath Slater one, like the fact that it, it threw him onto his head. That even JBL was like, "Hell yeah, look at that!" <laughs> like this is the guy that's been doing it forever. Yeah. But sometimes you just need that one little extra bit of spice, and they're like, "Yep, it's still, it's a it's a staple wrestling move that I feel like very few people can sell." If that yeah. makes sense, like I've seen other wrestlers do like. You know, like a a whip into the like ropes, and then a like a diving clothesline through them, and I'm like, all right, that's cool, but you couldn't center like a move set around that. Like that can't be part of your core. Whereas yeah. somebody like uh, Brad or whatever could literally have no other move but the clothesline and would still win matches. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just before we move on, I want to give a, a shout out to an honorable mention, and it's related to Bradshaw. Uh, Farouk's Spinebuster is awesome because so Spinebuster is usually like everyone has their own Spinebuster. Arn Anderson's really good one where he picks them up and spins them around for his to the ground. But Farouk's one, I just 
I appreciate after hearing someone call it the get the F off me spinebuster. <laughs> nice. Where he sort of picks them up and for like a, a couple of seconds and then just drops them. Yeah, just like get off. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people uh, as well forget Farouk and Bradshaw were a hell of a tag team. People forget that Farouk is a hell of a wrestler. The first ever African-American world champion. Yep. And he deserved it. Like, he was a phenomenal athlete. Mm. Yeah. But the tag team of Farouk and Bradshaw, I, I remember when I first started watching wrestling, I wasn't 100% sure who they were because I was like I only really knew the, the biggest names, Caden, Undertaker, whatever. Yeah. And I saw these two guys come out and I'm like, wow, they're fairly big. And I don't even remember who they were against. I literally just remember Bradshaw beheading somebody with a clothesline <laughs> and then Farouk just casually slamming someone just into the afterlife with complete, like, not abandon, what's the word? Like, he didn't, he didn't care. He was just like, like you said, yeah. it's just get the F off me. Yeah. And I just remember being like, holy shit. How are these two not, like, arrested for the damage they're doing? Obviously, being younger, I completely didn't realize that a lot of it was, well, I mean, I say a lot of it, most of it is well rehearsed. I thought these two were actually just, like, psychopaths. Yeah. You know, they, what I said the first time I saw uh, APA. What? Damn! <laughs> nice. I'd give that an 11 out of 10. <laughs> Speaking of 11 out of 10, what's your next move? Uh, my next move is a tag team move. And it's the Dudley, no, the Dudley Death Drop is the honorable mention version of this. So, oh. I'll do the honorable mention first. The Dudley Death Drop is one of my favorite combination wrestling moves. Um, yeah. Super love how it went from one move into the other. I'm also very well aware that it has caused serious damage to people, like some wrestling moves do. There was one other combination tag team move that I loved more, and it was two finishers put together, and it was the twist of fate into the Swanton Bomb by the Hardy Boys. Oh, like the twist of fate on its own, excellent move. Very simple. It is basically just like it's like an RKO where the the head is above the shoulder, like it's and basically it's a neck breaker. Yeah, it's just a neck breaker. And the Swanton Bomb is a Swanton Bomb. It's Jeff Hardy somewhere high up where he shouldn't be front flipping <laughs> onto somebody who shouldn't be front flipped onto. But it's when they combined the two. Like whenever there was a tag team match, you knew. Matt Hardy was going to have someone's head under his arm, going to throw his arm out, spin them around, neck break them onto the ground. Jeff Hardy was going to climb up onto the rope, do the finger guns at the side of his face. The audience was going to be like, woo! And then he'd be in the air for an inhuman amount of time before landing on that person. And then the audience would be like golf clapping to themselves like, yes, very good, very well. I see you've done it. Excellent, old boy. And Jeff Hardy would be like, <laughs> why, thank you. That never happened, that last part. The audience usually lost their shit completely. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'd, like, oh, Jeff Hardy's insane. Jeff Hardy. Like, Matt Hardy now, uh, being in AEW. AEW. He feels like he's got a new life to him. And it's great. Well, the thing is, he's getting to do what he did in Impact, which is he's got the creative freedom to do the character he wants to play. Yeah. And the thing you didn't about, get to really like, do that in WWE. The Hardy Boys as well were possibly the most well-known, like, high-flying tag team of their mm. time. For good reason. Like, those two 
were incredibly athletic. It's just yeah. a shame that like everything that went down with them, but their finishers, like the Twist of Fate and the Swanton Bomb alone were incredible. And then when you got to yeah. see them together, it was beautiful because they they combined so fluidly into each other because one move would leave somebody nice and planted on the floor for the other one to flip onto them. Occasionally, you'd get, like, Matt Hardy flying a, a wee swanton bomb as well, but it never had the same impact that Jeff's did. And again, it's one of those things where it is literally the exact same move. It's just who does it. You put more stock into the damaging effects of Jeff Hardy's swanton bomb because it's his signature. Like, I don't, like does that make sense? Like, Literally, yeah. Kane and The Undertaker could both do a choke slam at the same time, but for me, Kane's one will always do more damage because of that, like, you know that moment where Kane would walk up to someone and just slap his hand against their throat? Yes! And you're just like, wow, that person's already fucked. Like, if they, sorry, that person's already, beep, um, that person's already in a bad spot because if they had a health <laughs> bar, they'd have already lost some of their health just from the grab. It didn't matter that yeah. they're going up to the same height and being slammed in the same way. It's whoever was more, like, whoever it was more of a signature to do that move from, it would have more of an impact. So when Matt Hardy did, like, a swanton bomb, you'd be like, whoa, he did it, he's high-flying. But usually when Jeff did it, he's like, I'm gonna climb onto this lighting system that I'm not supposed to be on, see you in two minutes. And you'd be like, where'd Jeff Hardy go? And then, out of nowhere, from the ceiling, a man descends at 70 mile an hour through <laughs> eight tables and eight different wrestlers, and you're like, ah, Jeff Hardy's back. <laughs> again that's a bit of an over exaggeration but that's how it feels when you're younger yeah and like like the twist of fate as well it is just a neck breaker but when matt hardy does it you're like wow that guy is down like there's no there's no real way he could fix that like the commentators be like he may have caused permanent neck damage and you're like realistically i know he didn't but yes i agree he might have done um i just had a thought uh to go back to the spear discussion the the best spear Edge will ever do. WrestleMania 17. He's on top of a ladder. Jeff Hardy's hanging by the title yep. belts. Edge spears Jeff Hardy in midair into the ground. Ah, oh, that that spot is amazing. That match is amazing. Yep. But that's the other thing is Jeff Hardy was not afraid of going up to high places and then coming back off them. Jeff Hardy should be afraid of some things. Jeff Hardy <laughs> should be afraid of a lot of the things he's done. But I feel like he's at that point where he's like, what am I gonna do? Hurt me? Yeah. Pfft, no. <laughs> like I feel the like the thing it's is, almost... Jeff Hardy didn't have in like Jeff Hardy avoided injuries for most of his career up until the last couple of years. Yeah, I feel like it's like, down the, the to his. He's done. I feel like it's one of those things where he's so insanely confident that injuries can't get to him. Somebody's like, "Hey, Jeff, you want to climb up on top of the Titantron and front flip off it through a table?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna hurt me. Let's do it." And then you watch it, and he goes like head first through a steel bar, and he stands up, and he's completely un like undamaged, and you're just like, how? And he's like, I don't know, just didn't get hurt. <laughs> and then like a couple of years ago, he starts getting injured, and now the injuries have worked their way in. But that's the thing is like like Matt Hardy could hit somebody with a twist of fate in the middle of the ring. You're like, wow. And then you look while he's doing that, and Jeff's like, oh hey, I found a ladder under the ring. I'm bringing it in. You're like, Jeff, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Jeff, we've talked about this. I like I don't know. I just it was such a great combination move and it was very like it was 
one of the it was like the biggest high flying thing I'd seen when I started watching wrestling. That yeah. it's always gonna hold a place, even though there's people who've done more high flying and more like what would be the word like exotic moves, like eight different flips into a frog splash. Like yeah, that's fine, but you'll never <laughs> be the twist of fate into a swanton bomb. Mm. Right, can we just uh, take a moment to reflect that at one point we had probably the three best American tag teams ever in the same promotion at the same time. The Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys, and Too Cool. Yep. I mean, That's the thing as well. Like, obviously. like, the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys, whenever they wrestled, it was always something great because Devon, get the tables, and you're like, that's not always a weapon for you if Matt and Jeff are here. <laughs> like, you could get them on that table, but they want to go through that table as much as you want them to, and they'll take you with them. That's why the TLC matches were so good. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like, it was the three signature weapons of the three teams. Yep. Tables for the Dudleys, ladders for the Hardys, and the chairs for Edge and Christian. But, like, the way they, like, they had two TLC... So, in one year, they had a ladder match at WrestleMania, the TLC match at SummerSlam, and then TLC 2 at WrestleMania. And all three of those matches are brilliant. And they're all completely different. The amount of ways they found to use these weapons and the different varieties of all stunts, for lack of a better word, to do is incredible. They were, like, genuinely... There's probably better, like, tag teams, like, like, the Road Warriors and all that. But when you had those three tag teams in the one match, just, you knew something special was about to happen. Yeah, like... Like, the combinations of the weapons as well, like, you'd have Mm. someone go up a ladder through a table, or you'd have somebody at the top of a ladder who'd get hit by a chair. I remember, actually, I don't remember what match it was or who was in it, I just vaguely remember the memory of um, somebody climbing up a ladder, and somebody climbing up after them, and hitting them in the head with a chair, and that caused them to fall back through a table, and it was the first time I'd ever seen all three weapons in use at the same time. Yeah. And like like with like the the whole Hardy Boys, Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian. If either of those like if any two of those or all three were in the same match together, you knew it was gonna be fun to watch because it would start off with them one in the ring, one out of the ring, cheering, tagging, eventually somebody intercepts a pin, and then all rules were out the window. Tables in the ring, ladders in and sometimes out the ring, sometimes ladder out the ring to get in the ring, sometimes ladder in the ring to get out the ring onto the announcer's table, to which the announcers would be like, by God! <laughs> Every time it was always, by God. Like like you said, there was, just, there was just so many ways that they could incorporate them, and the fact that like Matt and Jeff had no fear whatsoever about None of them had fear, did. to be fair. Like, it was it was beautiful to watch, and their yeah. their signature moves were very um, n- notable. I'd say like you could ins- you could tell what it was the second you saw it. Yeah. All right, Stu, your penultimate choice. So I almost put down uh, the 3D, and then I didn't, and then I almost put down uh, the Road Warriors Doomsday device, and then I didn't, and then I didn't pick a tag team combination at all, and instead went with the Shooting Star Press. Ah, my favourite tag team move. 
I mean, you could use it while in a talk team. Uh, the show Star Press, it feels like every wrestler, like, it feels like every wrestler does it now. I wouldn't be surprised to see The Undertaker do it next year at WrestleMania. But I remember just as a kid, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite wrestlers was Billy Kidman. Because, like, Billy Kidman, in the nicest way possible, as a character, is very bland. But get him in that ring, he was really, really good. And his finisher was the shooting star press. Now, what this is, you go to the top rope, and you sort of jump off while spinning backwards until you land, so you sort of do like a 270 degrees backwards flip until you land on your stomach, and then you splash onto the opponent. Yeah. And someone who does that move well... It just looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's when like it looks really hang. fluid. Like the mm. the timing between when you jump and when you're 270 degrees later flat. If you nail the timing on it, it looks so nice. Like you get some people who really have to force the jump. But there's some people who mm. like when they jump, they just seem to sort of like whoop and they're round and you're like, <laughs> wow, look at him go. Um, Specifically, the one... I think who mastered the Australian Star Press was Evan Bourne. I think he his one was called Airborne. Jesus Christ, it's Evan Bourne. <laughs> and then yeah, his his one was just so good. Mm-hmm. But like, so the problem with like, so Kidman's one was really good, but he didn't hit it con- like consistently the same way, and it caused a couple of injuries. Evan Bourne, though, every time, one hundred percent of the time hit it perfectly and it just looked beautiful like to the point where like Evan Bourne was getting pushed up the card based on that move Mm -hmm. until he ran into the Randy Orton wall but the thing about like especially like his shooting star press as well is there'd be a lot of times when they showed a replay of him doing it and they would pause the camera right as he was in, mm-hmm. like, half-flip for one second so you could see it. And, like, the height it's he gets a, on it, it's such a beautiful move. Like, still to this day, whenever someone does it, like, Rick, I think Ricochet uses it quite a lot. And they'll have, like, a slow-motion shot of it. And it's just such a good-looking move. There's not much more to say. It's just a really good-looking move. Yeah. However, um, do yourself a favour and do not look up Brock Lesnar shooting star press. I'm looking up right now. Because that's hard to watch. Brock. WrestleMania 19 main event. Brock Lesnar supposed to, to, I think I remember this. He was this was supposed to end the match. He was supposed to do a shooting star press against Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is fairly wrong. far in the ring. Mm-hmm. Oh no. You've noticed You've noticed. Oh god. Brock Lesnar lands on his head. <laughs> it's one of the hardest to one watch the, things one in of the top comments on it is Lesnar was tired of hearing Angle wrestling with a broken friggin neck and decided to try <laughs> it for himself <laughs> worst thing is Angle had a broken neck during that match yep I think the thing as well is like it's not <clears> just Brock landing badly he lands like head first into Angle's ribs mm-hmm. like that's gotta be uncomfortable too oh I thought did he not miss completely um, I do he not kind of watch... misses like he hits the Hits the mat and then, like, obviously with the forward momentum, he slides into Angle's ribs. Oh right, yeah. Which I mean, like, but yeah, like, not gonna cause any life-changing injuries, but it's probably gonna cause like a bit of a Brock get your head out of my armpit kind of injury. The so Brock Lesnar had a s- kind of severe concussion, 
and her angle had to basically uh what's the word improvise the rest of the match because again that was supposed to be the finish yeah and it's another case of like Brock Lesnar did that move quite a lot when he was training and hit it 100% of the time but it's a difference from hitting something in training and hitting something when there's millions millions of people people watching watching. yeah but yeah the show star press when done right is one of those beautiful moves Again, there's like you said with the Swanton, there's probably more impre- like Ricochet does like a four fifty splash. And this great, Ricochet's great. But like there's something nowadays the shooting star press is almost like a simple move, but it's just a beautiful as people do like people do shooting star presses from like the ground. Mm-hmm. There's some people who can do it like standing, which is very impressive. Yeah, but it's like that's great, but now I've seen it, like what else can you do? Yeah. Whereas the Shootstar Press is just like, I don't know what it's about, it's just a very uh, strong move. Yeah. That's all I really have to say about it, to be honest. That's fair. So yeah, like, with the shooting star Press as well, one last point. Like we said, you've got that moment where the camera freezes and you get the person in midair. I think the other thing as well, like I've said for 99% of the moves here, the person who takes the move as well has to sell how devastating a hit it is. Because obviously, like, a lot of folk will come off the top rope to do it. And um, for me, my favourite thing about the shooting star press is just the landing. Mm. It is just such, like, an... It's basically no different from, like, a frog splash in terms I of, say like, it, it, realistic It feels damage. like it has more m- momentum when you land just because you've done that whole... Yeah, it's like, like a... Yeah. It's like a kick to the face versus a spinning heel kick like you're getting more momentum but the landing of it is no different from a frog splash in the sense like you are just landing like stomach to stomach chest to chest like in a t-shape but there's just something about that flip that you're just like hell yeah (laughs) speaking of flips my final move uh we'll get to in a second my last honorable mention i was supposed to put in when you spoke about the one submission you put in because mine says the walls of Jericho. Another one of those yeah, moves I that, that as well. everyone does to their friend at one point, and then you realize how close you came to accidentally paralyzing your friend. <laughs> um, sorry. Another honorable mention for me is the sharpshooter who I once paid a guy ten pounds to perform onto his friend. Nice. That guy is now uh, one of the uh, premier S- Scottish wrestlers in in icw so is it the rock yes i paid the rock 10 pounds <laughs> famous scottish wrestler the rock to do the rock's a famous move <laughs> he did do the sharpshooter he did and bret hart hates him yep <laughs> famous rock anyway. move the sharpshooter so yeah uh the the walls of jericho is another one it's just it's just a finisher that everyone knows and was very very successful um but for me, my final move is the Canadian Destroyer. Oh! But not Petey Williams' one, which may surprise a lot of people. The uh, the recipient. I don't know if they've given it its own name yet, but it's Orange Cassidy's Canadian Destroyer. Well, he's not... He's not Californian? Yeah, that's why I'm wondering, like, I think someone's given it its own name, but I don't know if it's been officially given a name yet. Um, The Canadian, uh, whatever. The 
Yeah, it's just called the whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, fun, like funny thing that I really like about uh, Orange Cassidy. Have you seen like how he's introduced in the ring? Yeah. It's like weighing in at whatever. It's like from wherever weighing in at whatever. <laughs> it's like it's a very good brand he's got himself. Um, so there's two versions of uh, Orange Cassidy's Destroyer that I like. The first one was. <laughs> the one that I sent you, uh, which was Joey Janela and Orange Cassidy against... I forgot who it was against. Yeah, it was uh, Williams and someone else um, in Beyond Wrestling. And Joey Janela hits a beautiful Canadian destroyer. But Orange Cassidy hits the most devastating move of all time, where it's basically just a slow motion forward roll. <laughs> that that his opponent sells as one of the most devastating moves of his career <laughs> and it works so well because Orange Cassidy is laughing the whole way through the move yeah. like he's you can tell he's having so much fun doing it and like his like they're all watching him <laughs> it's just like I've just watched like obviously his opponent as soon as the top of his opponent's head hits the mat he goes stiff as a board, straight upwards, and the audience just goes absolutely bananas for it. It's the same as the Superman punch that I was talking about earlier. Because his character is so low energy to the point where he doesn't even fully put his thumb up when he does the thumbs up. His thumb barely yeah. leaves his index finger. <laughs> I started it's, doing that to be fair. Yeah, I've started doing it as well. <laughs> I've started doing it specifically to Scarlet and she hates it. <laughs> um... But because he's so used, like you're so used to him doing zero effort whatsoever, that when he hits like a real, so a, a Canadian destroyer for anyone who doesn't know, is it's the most ridiculous move in pro wrestling history. Yeah, so like I like it by the way. I'm not, that yeah. not an insult. Um, how would you like it? Ha usually for me, it happens too quickly for me to actually figure out how it's done. So you basically go yeah. into like a into like a similar sort of situation to the pedigree. Where you're standing up, yeah. their head's between your legs, you grab but them around sort of... the waist, and then front flip over them. Yeah. But then, they end up leaving the ground as well, and you kind of, like, sitting powerbomb them into the floor? It's kind of a pile driver, isn't it? Land on your head. Yeah, sorry, it's like a sitting pile driver straight to the top of the head. Yeah. From a front flip. So you're just, like... It's insane to see. Like, I would definitely suggest watching Pete Williams Canadian Destroyers because he's brilliant at them. But You know who surprisingly is able to do one? Who? Goldust. Really? Like like he's only started doing them in the past couple of years. So he was like forty eight and he learned how to do a Canadian destroyer. Wow. Sorry, Dustin Rhodes, he's not Goldust anymore. But um yeah, he's fifty and he's a better wrestler now than he was at any point. Oh, so apparently um, they are trying to make a move for it, a uh, name for yeah. the move. Uh, they haven't come up with one yet. Uh, another move that, um, just while I remember that Orange Cassie does, is the Air Raid Crash, which is a brilliant move. It's basically just, I don't even know how you would describe it. What? I'm trying to remember what it is. The Air Raid Crash is like the, um, it's like you lift them up and then you... Like, you lift them up over your shoulders so their head is down at the bottom of your back and then you just fall onto your butt. Oh, like the vertebraker. Yeah. 
it's it's a beautiful move. But yeah, the I'm like there is a video that has the name that I think they're considering giving it, and I'm just trying to find the name because it's actually a really cool name that they're going to give it to. Because he's not Canadian, so calling it the Canadian Destroyer doesn't really make sense. Plus, I feel like you know, Pete Williams kind of should call it the Orange Crush. Well, that's what they're thinking of doing. Like, just something to do I... with his name. Because uh, you know how in that match with Pac, he did that thing where every time Pac swung at me, he would just duck under it and walk away. Yeah. That's called Freshly Evaded. <laughs> <laughs> um, One of his lesser-known moves is to take a mouthful of orange juice and spit it into the, someone's face. Huh. Um, then you've also got the orange roll which is where he just rolls out of the ring when someone's trying to do a yeah. move. And then That's in case right. Pac walks around the ring, gets to the other side, and he just rolls back the way he came. Yeah. Oh, that match is so good. If you get a chance, watch Pac versus Orange Cassidy. It's a yep. very good match. And, like, Pac really sells, like, the being mad at him kind of thing. Mm. Also, another stunner that I really love is Orange Cassidy's, uh... What's it called? There's, like, an actual... It's, like, the Stun Dog Millionaire. Where it goes from like a, like a vertical lift that he then counters into a stunner. Mm. Very, very cool move. I'm currently just watching this video and giggling to myself about his uh, devastating blows to Thingy Shins. Mark Andrews did a stun dog million. I was I, I was trying to think of who whose move that is. It's Mark Mark Andrews. Yeah. Or Mandrews. Mandrews. Um. Like, like a lot of Orange Cassidy's moves are moves that you'll see from other wrestlers. It's just funnier when it's applied to somebody who's doing it with their hands in their pockets, and when it's applied to somebody who's putting in zero effort. The fact that he manages to keep his sunglasses on for most of these moves as well really blows my mind. Mm, yeah. He also, uh, Orange Cassidy also known for doing the Tilt World DDT, which was another DDT I love. But yeah, so the the um. The Canadian Destroyer that he does. Possibly my favourite, purely because of how unexpected it is from him. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you watch any of his, like, there's a couple of videos where it's, like, the the moves he's done through his career. Very, very good high-flying wrestler. Like, he is very agile. No, um, yeah, he's fantastic. You know, one of, his, uh, one of his signature moves is thumb wrestling. He'll beat somebody <laughs> to the ground in a thumb wrestle. To be fair, devastating. Yeah. Have you ever lost a thumb wrestle? It's No, I'm on the beat. You don't you don't recover, trust me. I lost one yeah. once. Had to just had to quit. Um he also had like I'm just kinda gushing on Orange Cassidy at this point, but he has a really funny move called the the Ultimate Escape, where somebody grabs him in like a sort of reverse bear hug and he just wiggles and sits down out of it and then slides <laughs> underneath their legs. And then that's just it. They can't win. So yeah, like that was my last move. If I do find out what the name of it was, I'll let you know. Um, at the moment, I'm still trying to figure out what they're calling it. But yeah, basically, it's just the Canadian Destroyer. But watch him do it, because it's incredible. <laughs> and Stu, you have one final move. Yes, but before we do, I want to give a shout out to another honorable mention. And it's probably one I should have mentioned around about the... Uh, when you were talking about the people's elbow, because this is a similar move, that if someone else did this move, it would probably suck balls. But the move became uh, really popular, and it is the worm. Yes. 
Scotty Too Hot is low-key one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's... And it's probably mostly because of the worm. So, um... The worm is a ridiculous move in theory. Where... So he'll build... Like, so he'll uh, drive an opponent's, like, face to the map. And then they will, like, land face up somehow. And he'll get this crazed look in his hand... Eyes. And he'll start, like... Um... Oh, I... He will start like stomping the ground a little bit, like, oh, get ready for this. And then he'll hop around the ring four times while the crowd chants, W-O-R-M. Then he does the worm dance move, then swishes his arms around and then hits his opponent with his hand, <laughs> like his, like on the like edge of his hand. And then this is that's his finisher. It's a ridiculous move that should not be a good move yet yeah. because of it, it's wrestling is all is eighty percent theatrics, twenty percent actual wrestling moves. Yeah. And yeah, it was so cool. You just, I, I, I really liked it. too cool. And I think Otis right now does he doesn't do the worm, he does the caterpillar. Because he's a bigger guy. But he ends <laughs> it with a elbow drop. Yeah. Again, there was like a couple of really funny gimmick moves. Um like the worm that when you think about it you're like this this did nothing to anyone ever. <laughs> but when you watch it you're just like I love this move and I will defend yeah. this move with my my whole being. Um but slightly less brutal than the worm is uh Drew McIntyre's Claymore kick. Yes. This Actually, is a very. See, just before, like while we're talking about kicks, but before we move on to that, did you see the um the thing between Sheamus and the Big Show where they had the punching machine and they were debating what was stronger, the broke kick or Big Show's just yes fat hand. That yes. that scene where Big Show punches the machine and it just stares at <laughs> Sheamus, I was like, oh god, Sheamus might actually really die for real. <laughs> <laughs> like I forget sometimes that the Big Show is an incredible actor, and just when as soon as you mentioned the the kick, I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot about that video." And then I just remembered the Big Show's face and Sheamus's face being like, "Help!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Claymore kick. So yeah, this is again. I don't know if it would, it would normally be in the top ten, just because it is a very new move for Drew. However, um. Drew McIntyre is one of my favorite wrestlers, and the Claymore kick has really. He only, I think, he, I don't know if he started using it. So the Claymore kick started by accident. It was when he was still in WWE the first time. He was in 3MB, and he went. The idea was he was supposed to give someone a big boot, which mm-hmm. is just literally just running into someone with your foot up. However, he messed up and ended up, like, leaving the... I, I can't remember. He made a mistake, though. And the result was the kick where he sort of left... He also left the ground and just drove his, like, boot into the face of whoever his opponent was. But it looked cool. So when he left... Well, he when he got released from WWE, I think he started, like, developing it as his finisher. And now... The finisher is so good that um, it you know it beat Brock Lesnar. Yeah, 
you know a move is good when it beats Brock Lesnar. And it is literally just a big kick to the face, but Drew McIntyre gets a lot of momentum, because again, Drew McIntyre's a very agile guy. He has a lot of momentum to it, so the kick looks brutal. Uh, he started doing, when he, when he turned face last year, when he became a good guy, he started adding, like, crowd interactions, so he'll, like, uh, do the whole thing where he gets, like, the crowd to go, one, two, three, and then he kicks the guy in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, yeah, it's just a very, very good finisher for uh, Drew, who's a very, like, impactful wrestler, to have uh, a move he can just deliver out of nowhere. He gets a good noise out of it as well. Yep. And it's really that move becoming, uh, you know, over with the, the crowd has is why Drew McIntyre is where he because like ever since he came back to WWE he's always been positioned as a top guy like he faced Roman Reigns uh, last year's Wrestlemania like they they had faith in Drew McIntyre to be like okay you are Roman Reigns first singles opponent of his return (laughs) and now and then yeah the Royal Rumble like when he kicked Brock Lesnar so hard in the head that he fell out the ring. Yep. Was one of the most magical moments of, uh, well, I was going to say last year. The Royal Rumble was this year, but it feels like it was last it year. It feels now. like it was last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I mean, I almost, like, I was, I almost cried on Drew McIntyre won. Because I've been following his career since he signed WWE the first time. And to finally see him, like, fulfill that prophecy and become WWE's champion uh, was emotional. Yeah. To say the least. And his, yeah, his finisher is just, is, is, some finishers are just perfectly matched with the wrestler, and that's one of them. I just, like, I know you've already, like, you've just spoken about it, but I do love that the Claymore kick was discovered by complete accident. Yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, because he was just going for like what, like, is it a big boot they call it, where it's yeah. just like a big old foot to the head, but the fact that he was wearing such tight leather that he couldn't keep his foot on the ground. That's it. Yeah, because he was. Yeah, yeah, that's then it. Then the audience is like, "Woo!" And he's like, "Ah, <laughs> I meant to do that." <laughs> um. I'm just looking at, like, a list of wrestling finishes that were discovered by accident, and that was on it. God, there's so... Like, the powerbomb, the DDT, was an accident. Yeah, I can... I can imagine the DDT being an accident. And the people's elbow as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Like all good wrestling moves, The Rock's ridiculous people's elbow was created only to try and make The Undertaker break character and laugh. So this is something The Rock did quite often in house shows, as uh, Chris Jericho talks about in his book, where I think they were in a tour of Japan, and because obviously, like, they were like, okay, so we can say anything, because uh, most of the, the crowd, they might understand a few words here and there, but for the most part, they're not understand... Uh, what we're saying. So we can just like, and they're like calling out spots really loudly, but apparently like once they, um, they were in the middle of a match and they were just like, okay, 
let's just try and make each like they had a competition to see who could make the other laugh first and there's a couple of times where they like took one of the uh, photographer's cameras and started taking pictures of each other trying to pull the funniest faces and there's a picture of Chris Jericho's second book and it's The Rock with his face like imagine Rock's face but super like scrunched up um that sounds amazing and just in house shows they kind of because again house people like from what I understand wrestlers like doing house shows more than TV because they get to do what they want Mm -hmm. which is a shame because house shows are pretty much on their way out of WWE because they don't sell as well Outside of certain special ones, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it it makes sense that a lot of things just happen by accident on house shows because that's when they get to just do what they want. I think as well, the thing that's funny about it is like it has become synonymous with like The Rock, but it could have just as easily just been ignored and never brought up yeah. again. And like we'd have to live in a world that didn't have. The Rock very gently peeling off an elbow <laughs> pad and then lobbing it into the crowd. Yeah. Oh, forgot. Uh, the actual most devastating move in professional wrestling history is the Spinner Rooney. Yep. We should. Why did we not? Why did none of us? Because we had to pick wrestling moves that people can find online, but there's no video evidence of the Spinner Rooney because of the amount of damage that it does. Ah, fair enough. But yeah, those are our uh, fa- 10 favourite wrestling moves. Um, this will definitely be in two episodes, so thank you for listening to both episodes. Yep. Um, if you have a favourite wrestling move, let us know at X2Attack on Twitter. <laughs> if you have a favourite wrestling move, find us in real life and do it to Stuart. <laughs> I can take it. I can't. I'd die. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you agree or disagree, let us know. Be be yeah. kind about it. They'll be like, idiots. Clearly, the best move is when, um, Chris Jericho was sad. <laughs> 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 the best wrestling move is why is my name on the list? <laughs> oh, that's, that's that the is most heartbreaking. heartbreaking moment ever. Which I'll cover uh, in another wrestling podcast. That yeah, got, that we have planned. Um, yeah. This was good. It went on way longer yeah. than I thought it was going to go. Yeah, it's the first three hours of content here. Nice. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, let, let us know if you, got, uh, if you liked this as well. And you want to hear more wrestling. Because I'm always up for talking about wrestling. Oh yeah, Hell yeah. But until then, uh, visit us on www.x2attack.com And yeah, we'll... Speak to you later. Guten Tag. Bye.